a picture of uh, uh, guys out in, I think, Canada somewhere, really northern territories. It's icy cold winter. But this guy's put up a big kind of um, atrium, and he's made a hothouse, and he's got um, heat coming from inside the ground. I think it's geothermal um, heat. And he's created this tropical paradise in an environment that shouldn't sustain it. So when you go there, the, the hothouse is a completely different atmosphere from the natural things around because he has understood something and he's taken some of the engineering or the, the uh, thermal uh, heat from the ground and he's created another kind of environment in this harsh environment. That's what it's like to be children of God. When we come to Christ, we get put into Eden, garden of God, where there's fullness and abundance. God's not trying to catch up with your life. He's not, he, when you tell him about your needs, it's not like, I'll get on to it. Thanks for mentioning that to me. I didn't know. Looks at a few angels and say, you've got to be on top of it. I feel embarrassed when they tell me about their needs and I don't know. It's not like that. God's already provided even before you knew you had a need. God worked for six days to prepare a world for Adam and Eve to be fruitful in. And then he rested because they, all the provision was necessary to fulfill the will of God. And we've got to renew our minds, friends, because some of us are living in a world and we think we're living in a place of scarcity. We're not. We're living in Christ. We are like that uh, uh, terrarium or, or that, that place. And, and so what happens is we've got to change the way we think. Otherwise, we think naturally, we come to church, we amen, Honolulu, Waikiki, and we do all these great things, and then we go back into a normal way of thinking, and we wonder why we never see breakthrough. And then next Sunday, we come, or we, we, we go on a Tuesday night in a prayer meeting or some Christian meeting, and we change the way we think, but we go back to an atmosphere because we haven't renewed our minds. So I want to I say it is imperative for you and I to renew our minds. So that we can think the way God thinks. So when crisis hits or when there's circumstances that are different to what we want, we don't think according to the circumstance. We think according to God. What does God want? Lord, how do you want me to respond? So we're going to see that this morning. So in Matthew 17, uh, it's a story we all know. But when Linda mentioned it, it was like a trigger for me because I felt there was something on it. It hasn't left me since Tuesday night. Um, what happens is in verse 24, of Matthew 17, after they arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax approached Peter and asked, does your teacher pay the tax for the upkeep of the temple like the rest of us? Of course he does, Peter answered. When Peter walked into the house, and before he even had a chance to speak, Jesus spoke up and said, I'm reading from the Passion, Peter, I have a question for you. So obviously Peter was going to go and say, listen, do we pay tax? I just was confronted by the, the guys in the temple. I know we go there every now and then. But Jesus says this, I've got a question for you. Who pays tolls or taxes to a king? Is tax collected from the king's own children or from his subjects? Well, Peter said, um, from his subjects. Jesus said, that's right. The children get off free without paying taxes. Jesus is amazing. He's trying to say something to Pete. Pete. There's temple tax, and then they're children of God. And the children of God get it for free. Come on. You see, you've got to see what he's saying here. He says, but so that we don't offend them. I'm sure he wanted to, but he said, so that we don't offend them. Go to the lake and throw out your hook, and the first fish that you catch will have a coin in its mouth. It'll be the exact amount you need to pay the temple tax for both of us. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> How's that? 
So now let's go, let's think about this. Peter gets confronted. There's a need. Do we pay temple tax? Of course we do. There wasn't a lack of money. They had a, they had a whole bunch of money. Jesus looks at him and he says this, who pays the tax? Who owes? And, and, and Peter gets it, he gets this thing, uh, subjects, not the children. The children of the king don't pay tax to the king. They, they, they're blessed. Whose child are you? So we're not paying tax. We don't pay for anything. Why? Because Father's already provided. But he has the opportunity of faith. He has the opportunity to see something. Jesus says to Peter, go to the lake and go and catch a fish. And the first fish you catch will have the exact amount in it. I don't know about you. Peter could have said, but why don't you just give it to me now? I mean, that sounds like a phenomenal miracle. Just give it to me now. Just pull it out behind my ear. I mean, I don't want to have to go. Come on. What did he have to do? Jesus uh, told Peter to do something by faith. So he had to actually physically go, get a rod, a hook, some bait, and then go and throw in his fishing rod. Well, he didn't throw the fishing rod. He throws a line in. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had a fishing rod. And, and there he would have waited. The first fish he catches, he reeled it up and opened up the mouth. And wow! I mean, this is amazing. Take out, you know, I mean, open the mouth, take out the thing, throw it back in, and go with this like coin and give it to the temple tax. I mean, what a miracle. We read it and it's like, you know what happened? Linda was saying something on Tuesday night, which is so true. Jesus knew what Peter needed before Peter came to him. And he had the opportunity already predetermined that some fish was going to swallow a coin that somebody had dropped out of their little leather pocket, drop it in, in a place where Peter was going to go, and God is going to make sure that that fish was going to bite that hook so he could have that um, uh, uh, kind of, what's the one I'm looking for, the, the answer for his problem. See, you and I have got to get to a place where we realize this. God knows what you need. He's already prepared a plan for your provision before you even know you need it. But he's looking for mine, your faith. You see, he didn't just say, just give me a little, I mean, why, why, why must I go? You see, that's half of our problem. When God speaks to us, we, we why? Is there not another way? All he's looking for is faith. Just obey. That, that you can do. It's amazing. He didn't ask um, uh, Peter to go hunting because he wasn't a hunter. He was a fisherman i mean this was like in, in line with him it wasn't like he had to do something he'd never done before i want you to go water skiing he didn't what's that you see sometimes we think god's gonna ask us to do the impossible no that's how profound it is he's just asking you to do what you can do by faith and that's where we get stuck what difference will it make if i go and throw what will there really be fish i mean what's the chances of me catching a fish with a coin in its mouth isn't that what our minds do was trying to teach Peter something. Pete, before you have a need, I've already provided for you. I just want you to obey me. See, you and I sitting here today, we are living in a world that's a mess. Governments are not going to be governing for you and me for our best. Only God is doing that. God knows what we need before we even need it, and He's provided for it. He's looking for mine, your faith. So we're a people of faith that are going to say, yes, God. So when God speaks to us, we just respond in? faith. We don't respond in any other way. Don't worry about it. Just ask and or just obey what God's asking you to do. Amen. Now there are two stories I want to kind of wrap up into this. And it's the story of Elijah and the woman with the little bit of oil, little bit of flour and her son. 
And in 1 Kings 17, Elijah himself has been affected by a drought because he gets up and he says, he says this, my word today declares that as until again I speak, basically I'm declaring today a drought until I speak again. I mean, that's a great word from God and it works out like that. So God says to Elijah, I want you to go to a place, a brook, and I will provide for you there. So he goes to this brook in faith. He goes there and a raven feeds him and there's water. He's just got what he needs. The brook dries up, everything happens. And then God says to him, go to a widow's house. I have commanded her. Maybe let's go and read it. Come on. I think it'll be great for us just to see. Because I, when I was reading this again last night, I'm like, wow, wow. God, we've got to trust you. We have to trust you. And I'm going to read from the ESV. 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17. So, so Elijah, the Tishbite, I mean, I would have rather been from Krugersdorp, but um, Elijah the Tishbite, who was, the inha- uh, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. So basically saying, there's going to be no more water until I say so. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, get you, why am I? Oh, King James, the one I'm saying, where's all these, these enhances? My word. Do you want to hear in King James? Okay, I grew up in King James, let me go for it. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. He understood because it was actually in Hebrew. All right. Not in these and those. I'm going to go back to ESV. So how's this? So he's given a word from God. There's going to be drought. Then God commands him to go somewhere and he goes in faith. Can you imagine if he said, you know, God, you can provide anywhere. Because he could. But God tells him to do something and he has to respond by faith. I'm going to say this, friends. Faith is not a passive thing. Faith is not a thing that just lies back, well, God can do anything. Faith is an act of obeying what He says. So when God speaks to us, we obey. When His Word commands us to do something, we obey. All right? He says, you'll drink of the brook, and I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. So He went and did according to the Word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Oh yeah, he prophesied that. Okay, that makes sense. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, it's a Gentile city, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Just listen to those words. God's saying to him, I've commanded a widow to feed you there. So he goes, okay? He goes because God told him to go. So um, he rose, went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And she was going to bring it. He called to her and said, And bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said to him, Now remember, what did God say to him? I've commanded her. Somehow she didn't listen. Because listen to her response. As the, uh, she says, as the Lord God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour and a jar uh, in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and then we're going to die. <laughs> Just give me a second. God, did you, did you not command her? 
I mean, she's like, you told me she was going to feed me. Now she's telling me she's going to eat and she's going to die. I mean, somewhere there's been a miscommunication. Am I right? Come on. When I read that, he commanded her. That's what he said to Elijah. And she's saying, I'm just going to do this. Maybe God told her to do something. I don't know. But her response is an act of faith. Doesn't matter what she said there. Her response is an act of faith. So listen to what he says. He said to her, do not fear. You see, her response was based in fear. A couple of sticks. I'm going to make my last little meal. My son and I are going to eat and we're going to just basically die out. He says, do not fear. Her fear was based in lack. There was a famine. There was no food to eat. There was no resources. And he says to her, do not fear. He's not speaking on his own behalf. He's not speaking because he went to Tony Robbins' conference. He's not speaking because he's got a self-help book from the CNA. He's speaking because God has spoken. And God told him to do something. Friends, God told the church to do something. We are to be fruitful and to multiply. We are to come and establish an unshakable kingdom on the earth. We're not to hide and just kind of, well, we'll just, hopefully Jesus comes back before we die. That's not the church's role. Are you with me, friends? So he says, but first, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. You're welcome to go and do it. Why? I know you're not going to die. But just go and make a little bit of, um, you know, a meal. But listen to me first. Make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For this is what God says. Woo-hoo. The Lord God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent And the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. (laughs) Wow. That must have been a massive challenge for her because she only had a word. And she responded. You know what she did? She went and made him something. She didn't say, well, I'm going to check it out first. I'm going to make my son and we'll see. No, she made him something first because he really was saying this. Put God first. Do something prophetically first. Trust God by making me something to eat, and God's going to bless you. See, friends, that's faith. She could make it. She had the ability to do it. She had to exercise her faith. I want to ask you, what is God saying to us? What is God saying to you? You see, it's easy for us. We, we know the right answers, but our hearts are anchored to things in the natural, and then fear comes upon us. That's why he said to her, do not fear. Then we have Elisha. He's got a little different story. He goes and, and, and he goes to a widow as well, and, and she's basically at the end of her resources. I don't know about you, friends. We're facing a time where you listen to prophetic words, you listen to what people are saying, you look around, and there could be a whole lot of lack in the natural. There could be a whole lot of shaking in the natural. That's what's been prophesied. But you know what God has said? Do not. Do not. You see, it's not just a nice word. It's not a Christian slogan. It's anchored in the realm of God's eternity where there is no lack. So when we're looking at the natural things, it doesn't affect us and then our faith will still move us. Otherwise, the natural will make us paralyzed and we just try and survive. We're still going to go to heaven. Salvation's got nothing to do with your works. Giving out flour or giving out oil does not mean you get saved. What it does mean is I believe in the unseen realm of fullness. And I pull it into this realm and I manifest it through my faith. You see, most people, oh God, if you show me, I'll go for it. He just said to that woman, he said, just make, what Elijah said, make me something first. 
He says to the other one, Elisha, very similar. Elisha goes and he says, um, uh, she's also, she's got nothing because she's got two sons and they're, they're going to be sold into slavery. It's got so dire for them that now her sons are going to pay off a debt. Somebody's going to come and say, I want your sons. I don't know about you, that's pretty hardcore. Economically, she's in such trouble that she has to sell her sons to pay her debts. And Elisha comes and he says, listen, what have you got? What have you got? He always says, what have you got? The boy with the two loaves and the, uh, and the five, no, no, the other way around. Yeah, the, the, the two whales and the five bakeries. No, no, the two fish, and, no, the two loaves. Okay, that little lunch. Five loaves and two fish. There we go. Five loaves, two fish. Thank you. Sorry, I'm still in the Old Testament with Elisha. What does he say to the disciples? What have you got? He's asking you this morning, what have you got? See, if you say I've got nothing, you're lying. Can I say that again? If you say you've got nothing, I think you're lying. You've got something. You've got something. If it's in your hands, it's very limited. If you obey God and put it in His hands, it's unlimited. Isn't it amazing that for um, Peter, it was just enough for the need? He didn't go find a whole bag, like the, you know, a barbel with one massive gold coin, like enough for 25,000 years of living. It was just enough to pay the temple tax. See, God is the God that's limitless, but often He provides what you need. So you'll learn to walk with Him. Because if you've got the bag of gold in the fish's mouth, you wouldn't trust Him anymore. Some of us would just carry on fishing. <laughs> no, not that one. <laughs> You see, because we put our faith in the fish in the bag instead of him and his word. Okay, I'm, I'm going to close any moment now. They said by faith, amen. And so Elisha comes to this woman and she, he says to her, what have you got? And she says, I've got a little jar of oil. That's all she had. She didn't even have flour. She just had a little oil. But she had a debtor who was going to come and fetch her sons. So you know what he says to her? He says, go and get all the containers you can lay your hands on. Go and ask your neighbors, go up and down the street, go and get what you can in terms of containers. You and your sons, go and do it. He didn't just do anything. He told her to do something. Faith always an invitation for us to respond because God tells us to do something. And so she goes and she gets all the containers. Maybe she only went in her own street. I don't know. And, and remember, it wasn't like she could go to Westpac or something like that. They were probably all jar or leather. And she would, they would bring these containers. And they sat with their house. Maybe that's all they could bring. And he said, okay, now go and close the doors and go and fill the containers. The Bible says that they poured out from that little jar of oil, they poured out and filled every single container they brought until every single container was filled. Then the oil was empty, and they paid their debts and had enough to live on. See, God is trying to say something. In the mindset of Eden, there is no lack. We have to get over our unbelief in God's goodness that He's already provided when you can't see. But he's asking you and I, do we believe him? Do we believe him? That's why, friends, can I just say, there's always gonna, he's going to say, what's in your hand? What have you got? What do you have? He just wants to know. <laughs> if you say nothing, he says, I'll multiply it by 100. Bless you. 
Come on. See, God can, honestly, God didn't, Peter didn't have to go fishing. He could have pulled the coin out of thin air because he's God. He could have pulled it behind his ear, could have just said, yeah. He said to him, I want you to do something. And I can imagine where you're going, Pete. <laughs> fishing, bro. <laughs> Why? Because I fish. <laughs> really, but we, we've had food. Just shut up, man. Don't have to try and get all clever. Just go and be obedient. Just go and be obedient. And let God do the rest. You know what? Some of us, honestly, if I real, some of, what if there's no coin in the fish? They would have just said, fish, brah. What's the worst thing that can happen? That woman had already determined one little meal, we're going to make it and I'm going to die. What's the worst you could do if you give a guy? You'll just die a little earlier. But dying was your plan. It wasn't like she was going to live. No, she was going to have a little meal, her and her son, and they were going to sit there and die of salvation. So if he, she made it and gave him something, what was going to happen? She was just going to die a little earlier. See, some of us, we so complicate faith. We so try and think God's part. Like, will there really be a coin in the fish? What's the chances? You know what, eh? Don't, don't try and be God. You just, you and I are not that good. But he's not going to ask you to do what you can't do. Pete could fish. The woman could bake. The other one could collect stuff. <laughs> Containers. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe she was the natural hoarder. I don't know. <laughs> See, now you guys are warming up, eh? Come on. Not at the end of the meeting. You should have done this, you know. <laughs> 9.45, this would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah. Can you, can you see what I'm saying, friends? It's God's always going to ask you to do something. You know when God says to you and me, go and pray for someone? What's happening here? We try and work out. We work out their response, our response to their response. And when we look again, opportunity's gone. Oh, yes, I'm so glad I had that argument. Yes, I almost, I, almost, I almost went out in faith. All he's asking for us is to trust him. You've got nothing to lose this, to respond. You've got nothing to lose. Come on, friends. Come on. You see, we become so anchored in natural thinking that when God speaks, we think it naturally, and then we can't find the conclusion that God wants us to have, so we disobey. It doesn't mean we're not going to heaven. It doesn't mean that we're not loved by God. These songs are all the intimacy of the Father drawing us into His heart. But He does want us to respond in faith. And faith means I obey. I can't say I'm a man of faith, but I'm disobedient. It's impossible to be a man of faith and disobey. You can only be a man or woman of faith and obey. You can't be, I'm a man of faith, but I'm not going to honor God. Possible. You can still go to heaven with hands straw. So I think some of this lightning is to set us free from our lives anchored in the natural world. Come on. So I really feel, friends, for us, what we're going into, doesn't matter what happens around. I honestly couldn't give two hoots what's happening in the world. I want to know what's happening in heaven. I want to know what's happening in heaven. What's God doing? What's he saying? If God tells us, I want you to just gather some food. I want you to prepare. 
You know what I can do? I can just do that. He didn't ask us to build a whole network to supply South Africa's food resources for the next three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he has asked you, go for it. But he's just saying to us, and I'm saying, friends, those are things that he's speaking to us prophetically, but what about things he's spoken in his word? Are we negotiating those away? Are we, are we honoring God? So I want to just close with this because I think there's something in this for us as a people. Our faith looks like something. See, we've gathered for two years. We have actually said we're going to honor Jesus first. Him, without fear. We're going to put all of our faith in Him first and respond to what He's saying. So we can live in this world. Are we going to be ridiculed for our faith? You better believe it. Please don't think people are going to applaud you. They only applaud you when the fish comes out the mouth. They don't applaud you in the journey. If the fish comes out the mouth, look, it's Jesus. He can do whatever he wants to know. When the coin comes out the fish's mouth. <laughs> Come on. Yes, see. Yeah, I must end now. My theology is going wrong. But do you hear me? Yeah. Do you hear me, friends? So I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you with all of my heart. Obey the word of God. Some of us have become so clever at obeying it because, you know, it's different for me. Nowhere in the Bible does God say, um, fear not, except for you. I mean, you're welcome to go right ahead and be anxious because it's different for you. I understand that. Forgive one another, but you don't have to. You can be bitter because I'm not, yes, that was a terrible one. That's what, that was just outside of the cross. I'd love to, love to have forgiven that person. You, you go right ahead and be unforgiving. <laughs> Come on. We, see, if we, if we can't do those things, Yet we want to do great things for God. Just do what He asks you to do. Don't do what you can't do. Just do what you can do in faith. And see what God's going to do with this house. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Father, I want to say thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that it's an instruction and an encouragement and a rebuke for us. God, please forgive us when we have anchored our walk with you in natural wisdom, in the natural thinking where we try to reduce you to how I can see it happening instead of by faith responding to your glory. Lord, these are amazing stories. Lord, we read them so quickly. We don't know the emotion of Peter. We don't know all of those things. But Lord, the narrative simply is this. You spoke, they obeyed, and there was a provision that honored your name. God, I know that it's no different for us. 2,000 years later, you're still speaking. You're looking for us to obey so that your glory can be manifest. Lord, you know in this house, Father God, there are needs. Lord, you, you know the struggles. You know what we're going through. Every one of us, Father God, you're working deeply, intimately in us because we are your sons and daughters. You've never abandoned us, Lord. Even if it's a tough week, tough season, Lord, you're in us and you're doing something. So I pray, God, that even now, today, we choose this. If I'm in a barren place, I can bring heaven to earth. Lord, not because of my resources, but because of your resources. So Lord, I pray that we change our our questions and say, God, what must I do? What do you want me to do? So that I can respond in faith to see your glory come. Lord, these are the days, Father God, where it's not going to be our preparation and our wisdom that's going to break through. It's going to be your wisdom. It's going to be your power. It's going to be your glory on your church. Father, it's not around our ministry and us looking good. It's around you receiving all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. But Lord, we are the ones like the widow 
who just responded in faith. Like Peter, who just went. And thousands upon thousands upon thousands of stories since then of people who just obeyed you. God, it hasn't stopped for us. So Lord, I pray that this house is going to live, Lord, with the atmosphere of heaven. We are atmosphere shifters. We are Eden uh, builders. Lord, we, we, we come from your presence and we say, Lord, I know it does look drier. What must I do? Lord, and I thank you that most of your truth, in fact, all of your truth comes in seed form. I pray, God, that we begin to just plant those seeds in faith and watch them grow. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that that even this morning, all that you've done, the affections of your heart towards us, your deep love, Lord, driving out all fear, even in this house, if you're sitting with provision this morning and need of provision, you, I know that some of our members, they've had a tough week of having to relocate. But I want to tell you, God's in all of this. God is in all of this. He knows you, He loves you, and He wants you to see Him. Don't look around you, look to Him. Honor him, and he's going to ask you, what do you have? And he's going to require you to be obedient. He's going to require of me obedience. So, Father, we choose this morning to respond and say thank you. Thank you that we get to partner with heaven in Jesus' name. Just take a moment. Just take a moment, friends. I really feel... This morning, the affections of heaven, that's why when we, we, we are overwhelmed by his love, love drives out fear. I love the fact that that's what Elijah, first thing he said, do not fear. Of course she'd fear because she had no resources or very little, and he asked her for some. That seemed so unfair. Why didn't he bring some groceries? Why didn't he bring her some oil from checkers and a voucher from pick and pay? No, he just asked her for something because he knew what God could do. So when God asks you to give, He's not taking away from you. He's giving you an opportunity for multiplication, to see the miraculous, to see the breakthrough. We love you, Jesus. We love you.